Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Actually be happy. And this was one of them. This was one of those moments where literally we got to have just a glimmer of happiness and joy of like, for once it feels good to be a Minnesota sports fan. And then the Eagles happen next week. So in true Minnesota fashion, it was short-lived. But does anybody remember this moment? Okay. I just, I want to let you in a little bit as to just kind of how the life of Derek goes. Because this was one of my moments where like hindsight, not insanely proud of it, but it is what it is. Because up till this point, you guys remember the game. If you remember it, we were just getting dis- like, in true Minnesota meltdown. We let them back in. They came in. And I literally went from the couch sitting like this to like this to like this. To like, to, I, t- I was almost horizontal by the time this play came on because I was just so dejected. Because like, of course this happens. And then Diggs has this, and yes, I have virtually the dialogue memorized, and I'm not entirely sure how, but at some point I ripped my shirt off, and I was running around my apartment like, yeah! And then I got a complaint from my neighbor the next day, so it is what it, no, I didn't actually get the complaint, but the shirt did happen. I'm not, I literally don't know how it happened, but in my excitement, somehow the impulse to rip my shirt off happened, and I was running around my apartment, and my cats were like, it, it was a whole experience, but it's okay. We got to have those moments. You know what I'm saying? We got to have those moments of excitement. And I wonder a lot of times if the disciples of Jesus had those types of moments where they're sitting here like, I think, I think of the story of when like they're all hungry and you guys know the church rush hunger. I've, I've mentioned this before. Like when you are hungry at church, I swear church goes way longer. You're like, dear God, I love you, Jesus, but just please get me out of here because I want some pizza ranch. But in this moment in the Bible, there's this, this, this scene where like, like everyone's hungry. There's like 15,000 people, like almost as big as this church. And so virtually there's like all these people sitting here and there's like hunger. And the disciples are like, hey, Jesus, uh, we need some food. Everyone's getting hungry. And you know what happens when you get some hangry people, all right? This is not a good situation. So this little boy with his little Happy Meal comes up, and, you know, he's like, all right, I got this. And Jesus is like, perfect, that's enough for everybody. And the disciples are like, okay, what? Like, what? To a Happy Meal. It doesn't work. And so then Jesus takes it and, you know, prays for it. All of a sudden it multiplies, and, you know, they feed 15,000 people. I'm going to move this before I knock it over. I get a little excited. But I think about that situation because I had to imagine if I was a disciple and I'm watching this little, little loaves of fish and bread and all this stuff go, go having to get multiplied, I'd be like, yeah, he did it. It'd be awesome. Jesus had that way of just doing the impossible, of doing things that didn't make any sense. And that's why I have loved the last few weeks looking at Jesus, studying Jesus through the eyes of the disciples. Because I think we as human beings, we in the 21st century, you and me alike, I think we are just like the disciples. And what do I mean by that? You might go, I'm not very religious. Neither were they. Neither were they. They were the fishermen. They were the dudes. One of them was a tax collector who would just rob and, and be a thief for people. He was, they weren't super religious people. 
but Jesus moved in their life. And you might say, yeah, I'm not like the disciples. I'm not blind and dumb like they are. I didn't say anything. Because I know I'm the disciples. I would be like Peter, who is always making the mistakes, who's always doing the stuff, right? A lot of times you look at the story from hindsight, it's easy to see how they didn't see it. But I find solace and I find refuge in the fact that a lot of times we are just like the disciples. And that's good news because Jesus loves his disciples a whole lot. And he did some really cool things in their life. He did some really cool things through their life. And so I am excited. I am so glad you guys are here with us today because we're going to talk about that excitement. We're going to talk about what happened with the disciples. And so uh, as Bethany said, we are just so glad you guys are here with us. If you're a mom in this place, we salute you because like for real, the mom life is no joke. You got diapers to change. You got food to cook. You have husbands to maintain. Meg's got three kids. All right. Ellis, Parker, and Derek. And Derek's usually the toughest one. So honestly, we thank you and we are so, so appreciative of our moms in this place and and moms-to-be and adoptive moms. Mom is such an inclusive term. And so wherever you are at in that spectrum, we're just glad you're here with us today as we just talk about the life of Jesus through the eyes of his disciples. Because as we talked about on Easter, they saw Jesus at his worst. They saw him go through the pain of the cross. They saw their best friend, their life, the thing they gave up everything for, go to the cross and die. And we just talked about how, like, how tough that must have been to see and going, did I just waste the last three years of my life following this man? He was supposed to be the one who freed us from Roman oppression. He was supposed to be the one that just took all this stuff away. And now he's dead. And we talked about the varying emotions. And then he comes back to life and how that's so exciting and so awesome, but also so confusing. Like, how did he do that? Why did he do that? What does this look like? And then last week, I talked about how he's sending all of us out. And so today, I'm excited because after 40 days, Jesus comes back to life, defies all odds, amazes everybody. And for the next 40 days, he spends time with the disciples. He's preparing them. He's equipping them. He's, he's moving them. He's meeting them in their doubts. A really good pastor talked a lot about that the last few weeks ago. That was me. But now it's time. Now it's time for Jesus to go sit next to where he was always meant to be, right next to God the Father. And so after 40 days, there's this scene in Acts chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, where Jesus literally ascends from the ground and goes into the sky. You see it in the movies. And the disciples are like watching like, I love the Bible. It's, just, it's, it's, it's amazing. The Bible is not on the screen, but the Bible says the disciples are looking into the screen or up into the, up into the sky. And then two angels came down and said, guys, he's not here anymore. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. There's so much life in these words, but here we are. It's time. Jesus came what he came to do. He defeated the grave. He gave everyone an out. And he said, guys, I'm sending you. I'm giving you a mission. I am sending you out into the world to start the church, to tell people about me. I'm sending you. You might think you're unqualified. You might think you're unequipped, but I'm going to be with you. So go. And now it's time. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all 
together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came back to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The Trinity is a term you might hear in church a lot. You have God the Father who's up in heaven on the judgment seat. You have Jesus who was God in the flesh, just like you and me. He had skin. He had bones. He had tendons. He had all this stuff just like you and me. And he can understand. The Bible says that he was tempted in every way, just like you and I are tempted. So he knows what it's like to be human in all of its good times and bad times. Like when you have some bad Chinese food, he understands. Here's an image for you. Happy Sunday. He understands. But now there's that third part. There's the Holy Spirit. And it's definitely the part that can get most confusing and most goofy. And a lot of times you do the Holy Spirit and you're like, oh, you're a Holy Spirit church. I am out the door. Because it gets weird. It gets mystical. It's hard to understand. But I want to break it down into very real Good terms, because I think that this truly was the game-changing moment. This was the X factor. This is where the disciples went from just the average Joes off the street to the pioneers of the church. Because of this moment right here. The Bible is written in two languages, Hebrew and Greek. I know neither of them, but I'm going to give you a little bit of a Hebrew lesson here this morning. All right? If you want to learn how to learn Hebrew... You have to learn how to go. That's Hebrew in a nutshell. All the words have that just like, you know, throat clearing junk in it. So I'm going to teach you a word this morning in Hebrew called ruach. Ruach. I'm not going to ask you to do it with me because there'd be spit all over the place. Ruach is the word that's often used for the Holy Spirit. And ruach is translated into a breath or a wind. And so all throughout the Bible, when you hear this word ruach, it's this thing where it's the, it's the Holy Spirit, but ultimately it is just the, the, the wind and the breath. And so we find here, I'm going to go back up here in Acts chapter 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind, ruach, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. The Holy Spirit is God himself, just like Jesus is God himself. But instead of having 10 fingers and 10 toes, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us when we say yes to Jesus. The Holy Spirit is God's spirit who he he knows God's thoughts. He knows God's heart. And he is planted right here inside of us. And what happened here is the disciples were sitting in this room together. They knew they had to go out into the world. They knew Jesus charged them to go tell people about me. Tell the world. Go and do. And they're sitting in this room going, okay, but how? And they're sitting in this room and they're praying and they're seeking God. And all of a sudden, this crazy wind just rips through the house. And there's tongues of fire and they're filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's what happens in verse 5. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? 
then how is it that each of them, each of us hears them in their own native language? These were fishermen. These were doctors. These were guys from Galilee. They didn't know all these different languages. But here they are in Jerusalem. And if you go to Jerusalem in Israel right now, it's a melting pot. You have a bunch of different religions, a bunch of different peoples. There's a bunch of different languages. It's fascinating to go to. I was there in 2017. There's just so much diversity, even in language in Jerusalem. And so here's what's happening is these guys are sitting here, these random people in Jerusalem, and they hear just a nasty, nasty wind and gust. The dads in the room, you know what it's like when there's like a thunderstorm happening or a tornado. Everyone's like running for shelter and the dads are like, oh, let's watch this. Yeah, that looks pretty bad. We got to take care of that. But that's what, that's what dads do. We just sit there with our phones. We sit there, we record everything. And what happens is we're just like in bewilderment. We're amazed. And so that's what's happening here in Acts chapter 2 is they are amazed. They're shocked. They're trying to figure out what is going on. All of a sudden, they come to this noise. They hear this crazy noise. They flock to it. And as they get there, there are 12 guys speaking different languages. Their own language. Languages they know that themselves, they don't physically aren't capable of speaking. Let me put this into context for you. Anyone really want to go to France or Paris? If I took my wife to Paris, France, I would be set for life. That woman loves Paris. She's always wanted to go. And so I've always envisioned of someday taking her to Paris and taking her to like those cute little coffee shop boutiques, eating croissants, because that's probably all I'm going to be able to eat and stomach over there. French cuisine's a little weird. But I think about... If I were to go over to France, I know zero French. That's not true. I know we, which is yes. And we, we means something way different to my three-year-old than it does to the French. Ellis, do you got to go we, we? Yep, let's go. I don't know any French. Let me put this into context for you. Let's say I'm not going to take my wife on a romantic trip. Let's say we're going on a mission trip. We're going to go to France with some people from the Bridge Church. We're going to go and tell people about Jesus. And so here we go. We go to a French church, and they go, all right, what do you have to say to us? And I'm like, all right, here's my message. And I was like, where's the translator? Um, We don't have one for you. All right, cool. So I'm just going to pray for a little bit. And after I pray and get filled with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden now I start speaking fluent French. That's what happened in Acts chapter 2. They're sitting there praying. They're not sure what's happening. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes in, fills the room, fills all of them, and they start speaking other languages, languages they don't themselves know, but languages that other people can hear in their own language. I go to a French church and start speaking English, and it's not going to mean anything to them because they don't know English. But if I was speaking fluent French, they'd understand. That's what's happening in Acts chapter 2. And what are they speaking? Verse 11 says this. I lost my spot here. Verse 11 tells us that they were declaring the wonders of God in their own tongues. They weren't just saying, the weather is nice out here. They were saying, hey, 
God loves you. God cares for you. This man named Jesus Christ went to the grave. He did the impossible. He loves you. They're talking about the wonders of God. And last week, if you were here, I told you that this week, today, I'm going to talk about something very similar. I think I'm in week four of lead pastor here at the church, maybe three. I've lost count. It's felt like two days and two years all at once. Because I'm excited about what's happening in the bridge. I'm excited about what's happening in St. Francis. I'm excited, and God's continuing to peel back the layers. And the last few weeks, I've talked about what are we going to do in this place? What are we going to do here at the bridge? What's it going to look like? What's our vision? What's our mission? How's it going to all look? I talked about our new mission is to see people come alive in Christ. I talked all about how we're going to do growth track. We're going to have a great place in this building. It's going to be so, so fun. But I got to tell you, everybody, I don't ever want our perspective to be fixated in here. I want it to be fixated out there. Because that's where we need to be looking. That is what God is calling us to do. He didn't say, hey, just keep following me and call it good. He said, no, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. He's sending us. He's putting us forth. And that's where our eyes need to be. And so a question a lot of people, a lot of church planners, a lot of pastors always ask all the time is, how do I grow my church? How do I fill up the seats? How do I do these things? How do I get my community to buy into me? How do I do all of this? And there's a million and one different books on it. Do these 10 things and your church will grow. Do these five things and your pastor will look better looking. I haven't found that book yet. But there's all these things of do this, that, and the other thing, and all of a sudden life will be good. But can I just tell you that the way to grow a church, the way to reach your community, the way to do all of these different things is right in the words of Scripture. It's right there. Acts chapter 2, verse 11 And 12, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues, amazed and perplexed. They ask one another, what does this mean? If you're taking notes today, if you just want to take mental notes, I have three points for you today, like all good pastors do. Point number one is people will often see God in you before they see God themselves. These, these God-fearing Jews, these men and women who did not know Jesus, they had no idea what he was doing. They had no idea who he was. But all of a sudden, in this moment, they hear this crazy, crazy sound. And what happened is all of a sudden they're going, uh, how are you doing that? What, like, how does that work? What, what? They started seeing God was doing something inside of them. And I love the, verse, the verses of Scripture where it says, They were bewildered. They were amazed. There's all these really strong verbs and adjectives of how crazy, crazy excited they were. And so they saw something fresh and new inside of Jesus. They saw it through the disciples. If we want to see the church grow, it doesn't start on this stage, it starts with you and Jesus out in the world. People who don't know God, who don't want anything to do with God, aren't just going to, sometimes they do, but odds are they're not just going to wander into a church and go, I'm ready for this. What they're going to see is men and women who are different. 
They approach the same situations, but they approach them differently. There's a different perspective, a different attitude, a different passion. They will see things inside of you they don't see in themselves. What happened here is these men and women in Jerusalem were sitting here. They heard a crazy sound. They came here and they saw wonders that could not be explained to the human logical brain. They were amazed. And what happens next, I don't have it on the screen because there's a lot of it, but Peter The one who denied Jesus three times, the one who made all the mistakes, the one who couldn't even stand up to a little girl and ask, hey, do you know Jesus? No. This man who gets scared by a little girl gets up and launches into a sermon about Jesus. He launches into something about how good God is and how awesome he is in front of all these people. And in verse 37, it says, after he was all done with this sermon, they were cut to the heart. They were impacted. They were moved going, oh my gosh, I didn't understand. I didn't know. And in verse 41, I love this. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. The church and the believers in Jesus went from 120 to 3,120 in a matter of 30 minutes. What happened? God came alive in the disciples, moved through their voice, and the number grew. If we want to see our community come to know Jesus, it doesn't start on this stage. It starts in here. It starts by coming alive in Jesus, letting the Holy Spirit move through you, doing something inside of you that's fresh and it's new. And when you experience that in real life, when you experience God in a way that cannot be explained away, people will take notice. When you experience the real life God, when you experience Jesus for real, for you, it changes you. It changes the way you act. It changes the way you speak. It changes the things you say. It changes the way you respond. When everybody else is responding this way, you're responding this way. And they go, why are you doing that? Because you know what? I love Jesus. And it's not a way of saying, I love Jesus and I'm way better than you. It's going, no, I know Jesus. And so it's changing the way I look at this. It's changing the way I'm feeling about this. And people will take notice. They might be hating on you. They might be going, (laughs) forget about that. But they notice. They noticed. And so when I thought about this and I was reading this story weeks ago and I was planning for this message right here, I was like, here's the deal. We're going to be like the disciples. And we are. But I got to admit something to you guys as I... I plan to share about this many things with you this week. And as the more I studied, the more I dug into God's word, I found about this many things. And so I'm going to give you as much as I can in this, in this spot, but you are, there is so much more I'm excited to share. And next week it's going to trickle over. But I noticed something that they had this crazy, crazy encounter with God. These people who didn't know God experienced him through the disciples. They saw God in Peter. They saw God in the disciples coming forth and coming out and they were moved and they had this experience. They're going, all right, I believe now. Now what? Acts chapter two this is the last text I got for you. They have this crazy experience and in verse 42, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, the Bible talks a lot about eating. Want to do something spiritual today? Go to lunch. Because it's right here in the text. Excitement will draw a crowd, but connection will keep one. We can all know what it's like to get excited. We can all know what it's like to watch the Minneapolis miracle and go, yes. What I love about the Minneapolis, they pan to the crowd. People are high-fiving strangers. They're hugging each other. I don't know you, but come on, get in here. Yeah. I was watching a hockey game last night and one of those teams scored and they panned to the crowd and this one guy's trying to kiss another girl and she goes, it was awesome. When you get excited about something, you're just like, bring it in here. But when the stadium empties, when the moment is over, you don't see those people ever again. Excitement will draw a crowd, but connection keeps one. Talk about marriage for a second. When you, when you start finding somebody and you're like, oh, this is my person, there's a whole lot of excitement there. But as time goes on, that excitement just looks different. But when you have that connection to each other and to him, it keeps you together when the excitement's not there. Excitement will draw a crowd, but connection keeps one. 3,000 people had this life-changing experience with God. But they didn't say, okay, that was cool. Thanks for that. And then walk out. No, they got together the next day. The next day they got together in a big group or many small groups in different houses. They broke bread together, which means they had lunch together. They talked about it together. They went to church together. It says they have devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It wasn't just like they had this moment and that was it. No, they got connected. They got connected. I drove through our community this week as... A lot of you guys have talked about, I'm a track coach here. And so on my way from here to the high school, I I drive past the middle school, the elementary school. I drive by the fields where kids practice. I do all this different stuff. And as I'm doing it, I have students that are walking down the sidewalk from school to Sioux. I I see parents lined up waiting to get into the elementary school. And I I was thinking this week about how many, how many, are walking through life right now with zero hope? How many don't know that there's a God in this world who loves them more than life itself and wants to give their life for him? How many don't know that one day when we pass on from this world to the next, there's two options, a bad one and a really good one. It doesn't matter how good you are. doesn't matter how bad you are. What matters is if you know Jesus. How many don't know? And as a pastor, I got to tell you, it breaks me because there's a lot of them that don't know. This is not a morality thing. This is not a let's get people in the door so we can make them prim and proper and get dressed up every once, uh, once an hour for a week and put our perfume on and do a favor to God. No, that's not what church is. 
Church is about connection. Church is about getting us together, getting us connected to him. We don't do any favors to God by coming to church. We come to church for us. We come to church to get to know more about him and know who we are through him. That is what church is about. And so how many don't know? How many don't know that Jesus loves them and Jesus is there for them? And so I was thinking this week, man, there's so much that I'm excited to do in our community. There's so much that is going to happen in these walls, outside of these walls. But getting them in the door is one thing. Keeping them in the door is another. This church is going to be a beacon and is going to be a place for community to thrive and to proper, prosper. Proper, that works. Community at its core is all about people together. I want you to back up for a second. They were, all the disciples were together in the room at Pentecost, in the upper room. They were together. They all experienced God together. They were all used by God together. The disciples are sharing this message. 3,000 people get added to their number that day. And the next verse, in verse 42, together they were all. Everyone did this. Everyone did that. There is community riddled throughout this whole thing. The book of Matthew says that where two or three are gathered, there I am with you. Jesus thrives and prospers in community. Why? Because the enemy thrives in isolation. The enemy thrives when you get alone. You, he can just whisper lies to you. And there's no way to bounce it off of. We see this in the nature. And in my favorite like wildlife documentary is that everyone cries over, right? Because like, you're, you're seeing this and you're like, oh, that's such a cute little gazelle. Oh my gosh, here comes the lion. You look at hyenas, you look at lions, you look at predators, and what do they do? They find the weakest one by themselves and pounce. The enemy does the same thing. If he can get you alone, if he can get you to feel like you're by yourself, and there's nobody that loves you, nobody that cares for you, not even God himself, he can whisper all the lies he wants. It's a lot harder to do that when there's community. It's a lot harder to do that when there are people who are loving you, hugging you, encouraging you. Community at its core is a spiritual, godly thing. And we see this because point number three, godly community multiplies. We see they're together. They're breaking bread together. They're hanging out in houses together. They're doing really great things. And I love the last verse of Acts chapter 2 says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Godly community multiplies. And here's why. Because a lot of times I've noticed, I see this in the disciples, I see this in our life. A lot of times what happens is life has a way of just like squeezing us, right? stressful, chaotic, all these different things. This sponge right here is meant to do many things, really, right? Clean stuff off, wipe up the root beer that your husband, I mean, kid spills, like all this stuff. This sponge is meant to clean and to absorb and do these things. Have you ever just used a sponge for a little bit too long? 
type of sponge where like you're, just, you're, you're, you're scrubbing down something so long, and all of a sudden it starts to peel off, it starts to rip, and it starts to tear. And then if you're like me, you just kind of toss it over to the side to pick up later. When you get all back, it's just like a, a, just a brick, just completely bone dry. What happens is the more a sponge gets squeezed, the more a sponge just gets used, the more a sponge just naturally dries out, the more and more and more it just becomes useless. The more and more it becomes brittle to where you can start to tear things and you can start to just mangle this sponge and take pieces of this sponge that are more difficult. But what happens is if you have another sponge that is completely saturated and you have another sponge that brings it together and then you squeeze these together, now this sponge more malleable. It's got some juice inside of it. All of a sudden, tearing it becomes way more difficult. Why? Because it's got some water in it. It's getting filled back up. What I found is so many of us in our passion, in our pursuit to do things in life, we just go about it ourselves. I'm so focused on this mission. I'm so focused on this, that this is where I'm going. And what happens is that you do this And you become so fixated on this that anything that tries to come alongside of you becomes a distraction. And it annoys you. It's like, all right, just just leave me alone. Okay, I'm doing something here. But the more we do this, the more we go after it, the more life squeezes, the more we use the sponge, the drier and drier it gets. The more and more it becomes hard and brittle. The more and more this sponge is no longer malleable, this sponge is no longer receptive to other things because it becomes so, so dried out and bitter. Yet when you find someone who is filled up, who's got some water inside and brings it next to it, they get a little bit more. They get a little bit more filled with water. And then what happens is they realize, holy cow, was I dried out. Holy cow, was I burnt out. Holy cow, was I just struggling. I didn't even know I was. So many of us are this dry sponge. We go through these dry sponges. We're just like, I'm so lost. I'm so confused. I'm so hurt. I'm so torn up. I have all these tough things. And I know I should be going to church, but you know what? I just haven't been able to. And yada, yada, that goes on and on and on and on. And we just feel dry. And we feel discouraged. But when you have community, when you have another person who's filled up, who brings you, you go, oh man, that's what that's like. But when you squeeze each other's things together, some water goes in, but now guess what? Both of these now have less water in them. So what do we have to do? We have to come back to the source. We have to come back to the place where we can get filled up so that all of a sudden now we're filled back up and now we can go reach some more dry sponges. Community will multiply. Godly community, community that is full of Jesus, that has Jesus at the center, will naturally be attractive to others. I have all sorts of plans. I'm a practice guy, all right? I like to know, okay, cool, that's great, what's next? My desire is to reach this community. My desire is that when I drive through the past elementary school, past the soccer fields, past the football fields, that I can go, look, you know what? There are still a lot who don't know. There are still a lot who need Jesus. 
But I also want to know that, you know what? We're getting in here. That Jesus is moving in this community and he's not going to stop. And I feel that already. Can I just tell you one of the coolest things from, my, from this day so far is sitting in that seat and hearing the declaration of, I've seen you move, I'll, I'll see you do it again. That was a declaration from the church. I, I feel like people were just shouting it all at the top of their lungs because it was a declaration saying, God, I know I'm in the middle of something, but I've seen you move and you're going to do it again. That is the cry of this church right now. It's what I feel and sense and know. And so you know what? We are going to go out. We're going to get sent out. We're going to go into the community. Want to know my big dream? This is the big news that I kind of let you go with last week. I firmly believe this church is going to get a building. I firmly believe this place is going to move from here into St. Francis at some point. I don't know when. I don't know how. But what I know is there are a lot of people who don't know. And instead of just sitting here and being content here, we need to go where people are and meet people where they are at. But we can have a big fancy building. We can do a bunch of cool outreach. We can buy a bunch of pizza and tell people about a bunch of, a bunch about Jesus. But if there's no community, if there's no health and growth in these walls, there's nothing for them. We can draw a crowd, but we got to be able to keep one too. And we keep them with connection. We keep them with community. So here's what we're doing. We are building community from the ground up in this church. We have some fantastic ladies that are doing a brunch here on May 21st. That's awesome. It's awesome. They're going to get together. Dudes, I told you this before. I'm not sure if we have a graph for this or not. But we're doing this thing called meet and greet. Not like, hey, John, nice to meet you. Like meat, like steak, like carnal, like good, good meat. All right? So meet and greet. Dudes, what we're going to do once a month on a Sunday evening, we're going to get together. We're going to show up here at the church jump in a bunch of cars and go find the best burger around this place. We might go to Elk River. We might go to Now Then. We might go to Otsego. I don't know, but we're going to get together because guess what, dudes? We don't know each other that well. Instead of just jumping into a Bible study and going, oh, let's do this. Let's go grab a burger. Let's go get to know each other. Let's have that connection emotionally before we jump into the spiritual side of things. Connection. Meeting people where we are at. This is our plan. This is what we are doing. Instead of just saying, let's have community, let's build this. I want to put myself accountable to this. Like, I want to give you an opportunity to connect. Because guess what, guys? If we can connect in this place, we can connect out there. And if we connect out there, we're going to see this community change from the inside out. So we have the meet and greet. We have the ladies' brunch. In July, we're doing a family fun that we call it the ice cream tailgate, all right? The young, the, the kids and the youth are going to be able to have this, and they're going to come and do slip and slides and water balloons and all this fun stuff, but the adults are going to have some ice cream. We're going to hang out. We're going to talk. It's going to be fantastic. Guy back there, right there, he's going to send you guys out with a, a calendar. Guy's got them right there. Make sure to grab one of those on your way out. But I'm excited for the future of the Bridge Church. I believe that this place is going to see unprecedented growth, not just numerically, 
but emotionally, spiritually. Why? Because you can't have one without the other. You can't have a church that busts at the seams and grows from the inside out. We see this all the time. You see churches that pop up that draw a crowd, but two years later they close the doors. What happened? They weren't healthy. They didn't have growth inside. Growth inside, when done right, will naturally attract people. Why? Because there are a bunch of dry sponges, and right here in these walls there's a whole bunch of water. Because Jesus is at the center. Jesus is being spoken about. Community, whether it's a Bible study, whether it's a tailgate, whether it's a brunch, whether it's just going to grab a burger, when you are together, you can encourage each other. You can listen to each other. You can do things together where it doesn't feel like it's you against the world. It feels like it's you and Jesus and these people against the world. And that's a whole lot different. Community will grow you and will grow this church. And so next week, we're going to talk about how I can physically, and we can physically as a church, go out and reach our community. But we need to start here. And that is what God showed me this week as he goes, I want you to get sent out, but I also want you to grow internally. Otherwise, it's like trying to build a skyscraper upside down. The base needs to be strong. The foundation needs to be secure. And from there, we can build. So my challenge is twofold for you guys this morning. Grab one of those calendars on your way out. And I'd encourage you to be at something. I know what it's like to be the introvert. You don't know anybody. Some of you have straight up say like, I don't like people. My challenge to you would be to jump outside of your comfort zone and do something new. Because we will thrive as a community together. That's number one. But number two, there's a whole lot in that list that's not up there. Why? Because my staff and I can't lead everything. We're not meant to. There are some amazing people with some amazing passions in this very place who I believe God's calling you to lead something. It might be a breakfast club. It might be the world's deepest, most theological Bible study. I don't know. But I believe there are people in this place that are meant to lead something. Heck, I felt called and and challenged this week to start a Bible study in the fall. No idea what we're going to do. But I felt like God was saying, hey, I want you to go and lead a Bible study. That's going to be fun. Grab a calendar. And between now and next Sunday, I want you to take some time and pray and ask God what he'd have you do. And next Sunday, when we do our connect card, if you felt like God's calling you to something, I want you to write that down and drop it in there. Because this church is going to do some cool stuff. And I'm ready. I'm excited. Will you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this place. I thank you, God, that we have a place of godly community here at the bridge. God, we have a place and opportunity to come with our our hurts and our burdens and our things that we feel. And God, you fill us up. You keep us strong. So God, if someone's in this place and they feel like, you know what? I need this Jesus that you speak about, this Jesus that loves me unconditionally, this Jesus that can make even the impossible loose ends get tied up. I need that. That's you in this place. I'd encourage you that all you have to do is just say, Jesus, I'm sorry for the stuff I've messed up on. I want you as a part of my life. 
Come be a part of it, Lord Jesus. And he's there. But God, for the other people in this room, I believe, God, that there are leaders in this very room who you've been speaking to them to do something. And maybe they've doubted it, maybe they've questioned it, but now, God, this is the time that you're going to speak to them. I pray, God, that you would speak to them loudly this week. Jesus, you are doing something new in St. Francis and the surrounding area. Lord, you're doing something globally through this church and outside of it. I pray, Jesus, that this would just be the start. God, that you would be on the throne, you would be the center, you would be the focus. And God, you would do what only you can do. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You would be on the throne, you would be the center, you would be the focus. And God, you would do what only you can do. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name name we pray. Amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.